Travels with John Smith, Chapter 51, Year 8, 2019, Chinese New Year with Pat and Lyle, Hanoi and Halong Bay. We step onto the little cobstone street in front of our hotel and a loud horn beeps. A bike speeds past, missing us by a hair. We jump. There are five people on the bike, dad, two kids, and mum with a sleeping baby. This is normal. We are in Hanoi. The difference with China is here they wear helmets. Well, at least the drivers do. I am hyper-aware now, looking both ways before even taking one step, and we edge along the street, looking for a good place to eat. We come up to a cross street, and it is impossible to cross, as there is literally no let-up in the traffic of mostly speeding motorbikes and scooters. The sheer number of motorbikes is certainly something we remember from when we visited Ho Chi Minh City a couple years ago. I would guess that Vietnam is the country with the most motorbikes in the world. Any stoplight here would have a crowd of them, and when the light turns green, they look like an army moving forward, crisscrossing and driving around each other without incident, like orchestrated chaos. We are told that if we want to cross the street successfully, we should walk steadily at the same speed to keep moving no matter what is coming, and they will avoid us. This is what everyone else appears to be doing, but it does take a level of trust. I feel like I personally would need to close my eyes to be able to do this, but I guess that would be counterproductive too. We do some exploring of the old quarter, which is where our hotel is, and it seems like every time we go anywhere, We get lost in the labyrinth of shops, markets, small streets and alleyways, and it is quite a production to find our way back. The streets here are like most in Southeast Asia. Apart from the thousands of motorbikes, with an average of three to four people on each bike, there are fruit vendors, some sit on the side of the road like a mini market, others carry two baskets one on each side, like weights attached to a pole across their shoulders. There are bicycles carrying piles of their wares perched on the back, and barbers on the side of the road with a chair, small mirror, and scissors to work their trade. On the roads, it is busy and noisy, with people going places and others trying to attract the tourists to buy their products. Outside our hotel, there's a little old man sitting beside a portable stove and a glass case with Chinese buns called Bowser inside. Down the street, there's a row of jewelry stalls, another street with snack shops, etc. Looking up, there is a tangle of wires like black spaghetti spilling off the poles or thick, unruly braids that someone has attempted to tame unsuccessfully. 
They are a combination of electricity, telephone, and internet, and it boggles the mind how it can work or how anyone would find the wire they need if they need to fix it. We have dinner in a place on one of these streets, and now we are just wandering, looking for something that will be our dessert, and we see a huge lineup in front of a fast food restaurant called King Roti. I always thought a roti was a Caribbean crepe with chicken in it, but as we approach, we see that everyone here is eating something that looks like a large bun. On the menu, we can choose what they call coffee buns with chocolate, vanilla, matcha, coffee, or cheese. They're making them as fast as they can serve them, so we each order one, and they arrive hot, soft, and extremely yummy. They are so good, we want another one, but luckily the combination of the long lineup and being very full deters us. We are back in our room, and I look it up on the internet. I find loads of reviews about King Roti, all saying it is a must in Hanoi. I guess we have a nose for finding these places. We are walking single file as there are loads of people and traffic coming from every direction on this crowded market street. Suddenly, John points at a man walking by and shouts his name. The man and his friend look surprised, then, with huge smiles, walk over and hug him and Lyle. Introductions are made, and he is their cousin. They haven't seen him for something like ten years, and what are the odds of being here in Hanoi at the same time, walking down the same street at the same time? We chat for a bit and make plans to meet later for drinks. Vietnam celebrates their New Year's at the same time as China does, possibly because of the many times China invaded and ruled over Vietnam in history. Vietnam has certainly taken on many other cultural aspects, such as techniques, language, art, and a way of life. We hear there will be a New Year's Eve firework display above the main square, so we start to make our way towards the square to hopefully eat dinner early and get a good spot to watch from. We pass many men and women dressed in traditional dress, the Ao Dai, which is a silk tunic with a high collar and trousers underneath it. It's very similar to the Chinese Chipao, which is the same thing without trou- the trousers. As we approach the square, it becomes clear that it will be a long and uncomfortable wait for the fireworks with nowhere to sit, so we decide to eat something in one of the restaurants that look onto it, preferably one that is high enough up so we can see everything. As we move through the already massive amounts of people migrating to the center, we see a guy we work with. Another small world moment. He's with his family, who he says are originally from Vietnam. They are also looking to find a spot to watch the fireworks, so after being introduced, we move along. Most of the restaurants we try to get into are already booked and not cheap. 
we find one that is on the top floor and settle in for the night. The food is not great, but we are grateful to have a seat. We watch out the window as the square below us keeps filling until it looks as if it will burst, and we are happy to be high above it. The fireworks explode into the night sky. There's a TV in the corner of the room that is showing the exact same scenes we are seeing live. On the TV, they say there are a million people in the square, so we are again grateful to be safe up here. The boat glides through the water like a swan as we move past karst limestone mountains that jut out of the water every 50 to 100 feet. We are in Halong Bay, sitting on the small balcony attached to our cabin on a small cruise ship. We have just enough room to sit on our straight-backed wooden chairs, feet up on the railing, to watch the golden sun slip beneath the horizon. The air is warm, and apart from the low hum of the boat's engines, it is perfectly quiet, like floating in a dream. We have a corner cabin. The room is clad in lovely dark wood, with windows at the side and front, so with the curtains open, the view has been spectacular, even from the inside of our room. We are staying overnight in this elegant, old-fashioned boat and have two days on board. Meals are served on board and... The first one we have already eaten was delicious. The name Halong means descending dragon. There are thousands of limestone karsts and islands in this world heritage site, and they have found evidence of ancient cultures from as long ago as 18,000 BC. The boat lets us off to explore an island that has a large cave on it. We climb up a ways to get into the entrance, and inside there are more steps carved from the rock and openings that lead to a huge cave with stalactites and stalagmites. Being inside is like being in the movie Lord of the Rings. It's grand, spooky, dark, and beautiful. We come out the other side and outside we climb down to a beach. Despite it only being around 17 degrees centigrade, the water is fairly warm, so I remove my flip-flops and walk in the water. The sand is soft, and our backdrop is the bizarre-shaped but beautiful limestone mountains. We turn a corner, and there is a small blue beach hut under an overhang of rock. A dog sleeps in the sand in front of some fishing netting, which doubles as a fence, and there is laundry hanging straight on a line beside the hut. Behind the fence is a sign that says, For Indochina Guests Only. And behind that, what appears to be a row of lockers. The windows have shutters, but no glass, and we can see inside. It looks cozy with a bunk bed, a little wood-burning stove, and a TV. There's a man sitting out front selling shells and renting kayaks. 
We're not sure if he lives here all the time or if they are workers working shifts, but it looks like it would be a cool place to be for a while. We take another side trip to a floating fishing village where we can either rent a canoe to paddle or we could be paddled about on a large flat boat in and around a cove. We choose the latter and ask how much it will cost. The guide says it is included in the tour, but we could give a tip. The woman who's doing the paddling for our boat is young, but quite small, especially compared to us, and there are four of us. She's incredibly strong and looks like she has no problem, but we feel a little guilty that she drew the short straw with us. She takes us to a large rock with an archway through it, like an open cave on the water. Before we set off, we were told not to go through the archway, as there are strong currents and winds on the open South China Sea on the other side. It is a stunning picture op, though, so our driver takes a rest while we snap our cameras and watch some of the braver kayakers take their chances. We are now on a pearl farm, where we are taught how long it takes for pearls to grow and see the cultivation process. We learn how long this process takes and find out these saltwater pearls last hundreds of years compared to clearwater pearls who only last 30 years or so. There are some gorgeous high-quality pearls for sale here. The seller sees me coming from a mile away and tries to grab my attention, showing me a beautiful strand of gray pearls. I try them on, which is usually a bad idea, and I'm tempted, but when I hear the price, I have no problem resisting. We are in an old-fashioned theater, listening to a live traditional orchestra, who are set up on either side of a small pond, which is in the middle, at the front of the room. There are puppets dancing on the water, performing a skit in Vietnamese. Even though we can't understand a word, the show is very entertaining. We are in the Thang Long Water Puppet Theater in Hanoi. The puppets are on the end of long wooden sticks, and the puppeteers are hidden behind the curtain controlling them. The musicians are excellent, and the singing quite beautiful, and this type of show dates back to the 11th century, when rice paddy fields were flooded, and villagers would stand waist-deep in water, with the puppets performing over the water. The puppeteers come out at the end of the show and take a bow. They are indeed up to their waists in water. Even though I wasn't that excited about the idea of coming to see this show, I'm so happy we came, as it is a very good way to finish up our time here in Vietnam. Next stop, Penang, Malaysia. Malaysia.